Hey, Too Close to Home friends. This is Jen here, and I'm flying solo today because we have a very unique episode. Usually we talk about cases of murder and missing people, and we have no ties other than what we've researched. Well, today we're going to learn about Jesse Farber Rex. He disappeared August 11th, 2015. We're going to speak to his girlfriend and mother of his two children, Rachel Carroll, about his disappearance. Now, disclaimer, this was done via Zoom as Rachel's in Pennsylvania and I'm in Texas. So the quality isn't up to the normal part as it usually is, but let's get into it. All right, you guys, this is Jen here, and I'm talking to Rachel. And as I said in my intro, we're going to talk about Jesse Rex Farber. Hey, Rachel. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for um, taking time to come and talk to us about Jesse and about his disappearance. And I really hope... me. Oh, absolutely. I really hope that we do get some answers soon, you know, or at least awareness. So to start it off, I wanted to know if you could tell me more about how you met Jesse. Okay, um, I met Jesse when I was 15. So he was about 18 and we were teenagers. And so we were really close friends for a couple years there. He was definitely one of my best friends. Um, so we just like hung out together a lot and uh, did almost everything together. And then um, and when I turned 19 is when we started dating. Aww. What would you yeah. What would you think made you fall in love with him? Um, his loyalty and um, he helped me through a lot of hard times, even when I was a teenager. And I think that is what it is because um, you know everybody learns that your friends aren't a lot of your friends aren't really going to be there for you. But I can't remember a time that he wasn't there for me oh. and supporting me. And I mean that was even before we were dating. So I love that about him. Like, he was just always there for me. I trusted him. He trusted me. Uh, we always had each other's backs. He was there every time I needed him. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I love that because it's like a true blue love. You know what I mean? It's not uh, just a lust or, like, I met you last week and we're going crazy. It's a, a love that's taken years to develop and means right. it's means more, it feels like. Right. So, you have children with Jesse. Can you, with what you're comfortable with, tell us about um, their relationship with, with Jesse and what, you know, what fatherhood meant to him? Okay, well, when I was 20, almost 21, we had uh, my son, and um, we were both new parents, but I know Jesse was really nervous about it at first, mm-hmm. um, but he did really good. He was very you know willing to he wasn't like oh I'm scared to hold him Uh I'm scared to do this like he was hands-on and wanted to be in there and help and everything and as time went on he just he was a great dad um my son and him were really close they did a lot of things together and Jesse loved teaching him different things like uh we loved to teach him about the outdoors because that was like our favorite thing to do was to go out and have a campfire or go camping, hiking, all that stuff. And so we really um, like to teach our son all about that. And um, my daughter was born in 2014. And so she was only a year old when he went missing. But um, by then he, you know, he knew everything to do. And he was really, he was in love with her. That was his little girl. And um, they were very, very close too. And, uh, but my daughter now, because she was so young then, she, she, I mean, she did remember him and talk about him for a while, but because, it, you know, she was only a baby, she don't really remember those things now. I mean, she knows where dad is and that he's missing. Yeah. I, I know but that she, probably has to, like, be heartbreaking to look at your son and, and not have those answers that he probably craves, too, since they were close. He sounds like he was a, an excellent father. He, he just sounded like he was a very loving person he was he was and yeah my son um he was five when he went missing so my son knew better like what was going on he you know than my daughter would so he um 
he's had some hard times with it. He does better with it now, but I mean, of course, it bothers him a lot. But he's doing. They're both doing well. I wish I could give them answers. Yeah. I'm hoping to one day. But you know, you might not have the answers. You do have two arms, and I know that you're doing the best that you can. I mean, honestly, I admire what you've gone through and been able to hold it together and still carry that torch for him, you know, to look for him instead of getting lost in all this. Right. Thank you. So what was, uh, I know that eventually you and Jesse went into trouble with, you know, relationship troubles and everything, but you guys still like maintain relationship and, and we're good at co-parenting, what kind of led to the disintegration of the relationship? And side note, Rachel, if you don't want to answer anything that I ask, please don't. Do whatever you're comfortable with. Okay. Um, well, everything was totally fine. And besides what we got into the fight about, everything was going great. I mean, I could tell you a bunch of different accomplishments he, he had before he went missing. Like, everything was good for all of us. The only issue was that, you know, here and there, there'd be money missing. Mm-hmm. And um, after a while, like, I, I just, you know, I covered it. And, but after, I would say it was about a year, I was like, you know, I'm behind now, too. And this can't keep happening. Like, what's going on here? Right. And that's what the initial, like, argument was about. And that's when he started staying at his grams. Mm-hmm. But as for, like us being broke up and done with each other it wasn't like that at all like we talked the same day that he you know the same day he left to go to his grams we were still hanging out almost every day talking to each other yeah Um, yeah, doing stuff with our kids taking um, my son to his soccer games together like everything was normal except he wasn't actually living with us right when you talk about him and and stuff and the terms that you're using about you know that you covered it, and you just sound so extremely selfless, and it's selfless, and it sounds like you guys had this bond where you could just trust that you trusted each other, you know. And yeah. to go that long and be like, okay, what's wrong? Like you're not looking for, you know, what he's doing, but like, is there something you can help him with? And, and that's the way it sounds to me. And that's exactly what happened, too. I I knew something was going on because I could tell it was in a way in those after he um, left. That was August 1st that he started saying at his grams. And after he had left, he, he was in a way like in his head and um, not talking like he wouldn't talk to me about it. And mm-hmm. he was just a way that I never seen him before. Like, I know when something's bothering him, but this was different than that. This was like. It's hard to explain, and I asked him many times to talk to me, and, you know, I told him, I reassured him, like, I'm here for you, like, I'll help you if there is something that we need to do, or right. if you need help with anything, and he he wouldn't tell me, but uh, the last day that I did see him, the like, the only information I ever got, which wasn't really information, is he told me... Um, I have to deal with this on my own, but when it's all over, we'll be together again. And uh, that kind of confirmed to me that, you know, something's definitely going on, but I never imagined that it would be anything that would cause him to go missing or anything like that. No, no. I mean, it also sounds like he was trying to protect you and the kids, you know, by not telling you. I know uh, I've seen people do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and maybe that's why he wouldn't come home because I kept begging him to come home. And that's not like him. Like, if we ever got in an argument before, like I said, if we ever did fight, it was nothing big. And we got over it so quickly because it, to both of us, we would always say, you know, it's harder for us to be away from each other and then to just be together and just deal with the issue. So... Yeah, I mean, and yeah, every I mean, relationship time. runs into trouble, and that's a natural, healthy course, you know. It yeah. sounds like it was just a regular, loving, you know, relationship, and that you guys were working through things and, and cared genuinely about her, about each other, you know. 
Yes, yeah. What was his uh, relationship like with his gram and his mother? Um, I think the relationship with his gram was pretty good. Um, she would help with things. Um, as for, like, she babysat the kids sometimes. Um, we would go out there um, to, like, I know we went out there for, like, um, Thanksgiving on a football game. We were out there and just different things, a cookout. So everything was okay with, with her, with his mom. Um, that was like a strained relationship his entire life from what he told me and what the rest of his family told me. Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't have a good relationship at all. And she really, um, didn't help him with a lot of things. Like he was trying to get his license for years and years when we first got together Mm -hmm. and he couldn't get his he couldn't get his license because she refused to give him his birth certificate or his social security card. Oh, wow. And I remember he would get, yeah, I remember he would get off the phone and he would be so like upset and so angry and she just refused to help him. And, um, it took years because what happened was she had changed his last name so many times when he was younger uh-huh. that, his identity, like he had no proof of like who he really was. The paper trail was just too messy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it took years until he finally, and in May of 2015, he finally was able to get a copy of his birth certificate. He had to go to a lawyer about it and, uh, get that all straightened out. He was finally able to get his (laughs) driver license, which he was very happy about. Oh, I bet he was. I mean, it sounds like, to me, that she had a lot of controlling issues. And I've heard of cases before where parents um, have withheld that stuff where kids end up being homeless because they can't get a job. You know, like as teenagers, they can't get a job. They can't get a license. They can't do anything because they don't have these documents. And you can't get those documents without having some documents. And it puts these kids in dangerous situations. And I know you as a mother, and me as a mother, I know we would, I would lay down my life for my child. And I know you would too. So to know that like a mother could do that to her kid, it's very hard to see. Yeah, it was always, uh, from what he told me without getting into like anything specific, it was just like a strained relationship, like since he was a child. It does sound like that. Uh, and also, like, you, when you are, you know, when you have trouble in your life, you go to those people that mean the most. And since, you know, in those situations, he, he might have been afraid to be around you, but he went to his his gram, his grandmother. So it sounds to me like there was never a real good relationship with his mother. And, and it really is, and we'll probably talk more about that later, but just how it came to, to be with her. And how she behaved afterwards is very unsettling. And I know that has to be harder on you. Yeah, yeah. So do you still talk to his gram or anything like that? No, um, I, I was talking to her for a while afterwards. But then because me and Jesse's mom don't get along and uh, there was issues because of that. And uh, so she didn't, you know, we just stopped talking because we couldn't agree on on issues in that area. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm sure you don't talk to his mother either. So, which I mean, I would, I don't blame you there. (laughs) So (laughs) you talked about Jesse in the days leading up to the, his disappearance of like, he was very worried um, about him checking his debit card, like his account several times as if he was looking for something. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, well, the thing with the bank account, uh, when I got the phone records, the thing that got me about the bank account was that all it was pretty much uh, a few a few times that day, the day he actually went missing, he kept checking his bank account, which is really odd because well, he went missing on a Tuesday and mm-hmm. we both got paid on Friday. So whatever was in his account, which I don't, I don't think there was anything in there at that time. Mm-hmm. He would have known that, and uh, for him to keep um, checking it, it just doesn't make sense since he knew that the only time money was going to come in would be Friday when we got paid. Right. 
So I always wondered what that was about. Like, was he waiting? Did somebody tell him that he was going to, that they were going to put money in his account for him? And that's what he was waiting for. And that he kept checking it for that reason, because I really can't think of another reason that, that he would do that. Exactly. I mean, I would think the only other person that would put money in his account besides you or, you know, his paycheck would be his gram. And, and you would don't normally would check your bank account like that, you know, yeah, not that many times. Not unless you're like, ex- expecting, like, my tax return is supposed to come to my bank account on this day, and you're just, like, checking back and forth. But this, it, I agree with you, that does sound off, especially since he disappeared not long after that. Right, and then there, and then that money was, ended, was deposited that Friday, that his paycheck, and it was never touched afterwards, so. That's a big indication of foul play to me like we can't say without you know certainty and and we talked about that beforehand we can't say for certain what happened but there are things and and i'm one of those big believers of you just get those feelings of things like you know that something's off and this is one of those things for somebody who you know was struggling with money and i have in my past so several times struggled with money living paycheck to paycheck and then some being barely paycheck to paycheck but uh, I just can't imagine not using that money, especially if he was I just mean, trying to just get away and disappear without anybody knowing. You would still maybe try to yank some money out, I would think. Yeah, de- knowing him, definitely. Like, he wouldn't have just left money behind. Like, the only reason I would think if, like, say he ran away, which I don't believe, but if that was the case... I would think he would take the money because he obviously would need it. The only right. reason I feel like he'd leave it behind would be for his kids. But, I, I mean, that's going off of something that I really don't believe happened. Right, right. So, going to the day of his disappearance, he sent you, he gave you, he, sorry, he called you okay. a couple times and... His phone was dying. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that day was like? Just, like, walk through those events and about the phone calls and how you felt during this time. Well, the the thing is, is that, like, the day before he actually went missing was when things kind of got weird. So, if you, do you want me to kind of start there? Yeah. Okay. So, um, that would would have been Monday. And what started was, is that, uh, I worked first shift and he worked like second shift and we worked at the same place. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him that day and everything. And I was going to wait when I got off work to, uh, see him before he started work just to see him for a little bit. And so that was the plan. And then he never showed up. And, uh, later on, his grandfather told me that he had planned to take Jesse to work. And at the last minute, uh, Jesse asked him, can you take me to Tamaqua? Hmm. So we took him to Tamaqua and he dropped off at Burger King, which there was a witness that seen him there. And at some point after that, now, like, I don't know exactly time wise how everything went down, but at some point after that, he met up with this girl named Karina who stole money from Jesse. Mm-hmm. And, um, so then after that, he, he met up with another friend, and they ended up walking to another one of their friend's houses named Dustin, and Jesse pretty much spent the rest of the day there at Dustin's, and they said they were playing video games and just hanging out, and Jesse spent the night there. Um, <clears throat> the following day, I guess he said, or, uh, they said Dustin had left, and uh, Dustin's girlfriend had told me that Jesse was worried because Karina's boyfriend Kyle was messaging Jesse Mm -hmm. and they were just messaging each other back and forth on Facebook about trying to get this money back. And Kyle said that he would meet him to give him this money back. But Jesse felt uneasy about it. He felt weird about it. And he mentioned that to Dustin's girlfriend. And so not long after that, Jesse said he was leaving to head to work. And that was around 1 p.m. And um, the final message or the final meeting place that Jesse was supposed to meet Kyle because he kept changing his locations and that was frustrating Jesse was Broad Street on Tamaqua. Uh-huh. And, 
And uh, Kyle said that Jesse never showed. And from what police had told me, that they checked cameras and it showed that, like, there was no meeting. Hmm. So the next thing that happened was one of Jesse's childhood friends named Alma had seen Jesse walking on the S-turns, which is a road um, from Tamaqua to Lewistown Valley where his gram lived. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's still considered Tamaqua. It's not like it's another town. And the S-turns is just a very small road in between. And he said that Jesse was walking with a book bag and that he was walking toward Tamaqua. So this would have been, like I said, around 7.20. And then at 8.43 is when Jesse called me for help. With that girl, Karina, that stole the money from him, was she estranged from her boyfriend? Because that's, you know, I would feel odd about it, too, if I was Jesse in that circumstance that her boyfriend's reaching out to deal with this money issue when his girlfriend right. stole the money. Right. Um, no, they were together because I talked to them a lot of times right after he went missing. I uh-huh. was confronting them and asking them, like, you know, what happened and and whatever or what they knew. And they were together. I mean, I, they're not together anymore as far as I know, but, I mean, they were at that time. That Yeah, yeah. Did anyone bes- – I know that they mentioned that he was uneasing about him changing the meeting spots and everything – was there any other indications from anyone else about something being off? Um, not to my knowledge, no. They said otherwise he was okay, that he had planned to go to work that day. Part of me thinks that, like, he knew that something was happening, like he might have been in danger, but didn't expect it to maybe happen, you know? But he... I felt, too. You know, said maybe it was taken by surprise, Right, because Jesse wasn't a confrontational person either. Um, he wasn't one to start a fight or to walk into a fight or he tried to, to like, avoid conflict at any cost. So I don't think, like, he at any point went looking for trouble. Whatever, if something like that happened, he definitely got surprised by it because he definitely wouldn't walk into something like that knowing, like, no, no. Um, d- he didn't miss work very often, did he? No. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, especially for someone who sounds like he's trying to, you know, kind of put his life back together and be better for his family. It doesn't sound right. like something he would do to just miss work. Did he walk around with his back t- backpack very often like that? No, Um he hardly, I mean, he never, like, just wandered around Tamaqua either. Like, anytime we did anything, we were always together. And there was never, like, times where he was like, I'm going to go and hang out with my friends, or I'm going to go and do this or do that or whatever, or I'm going to go to the bar. Yeah. It was never, like, anytime we did something, it was always together. It was always, like, me, um, Jesse, my brother. Um, right. Um, of our friends and we would go riding or something like we did like everything together so I just find it it weird like the, that whole thing about him missing work and going to, to Mokwa like I don't it doesn't feel like he just did that on a whim like he I think he went there for a reason but I don't know what oh yeah and it's just like as an outsider and and not knowing the things that you know I, I feel uh, I feel like we're aligning a lot on these suspicions here because Everything on this last day seems off. Um, He, and this is one part that I wanted to ask you, is you said he bought meth the day before, but it doesn't sound like he was a drug user at all. No. Um, I was told that he bought meth and that he was using it that night. And no, he wasn't a drug user, and especially for something like that. Um, Yeah, like that's a, that's that's like... starting out like let me go ahead and start out on cocaine or something that's a very high level most people don't just like on a happenstance do that you know yeah and yeah that's also a really weird thing to me because i don't know that's just very out of character like out of character i thought like i i try to find reasons for everything mm-hmm. and i was like well maybe because he was acting whatever was bothering him maybe he was like you know, I need to calm down. I'm going to go do, do you know, 
drink or something, but to choose meth is that's not really healthy. That's calm yeah, down. that's gonna make you more paranoid. It's gonna cause all sorts of issues versus what you would need in a time of stress for sure. Right. I so it was it's really weird. All of it is very strange and doesn't add up at all. No. And have you spoke to Karina or her boyfriend since they broke up or any time recently? I haven't talked to them in years, no. Have are they do you think part of me thinks that something happened and that people have put out that information that he bought meth to make it less credible? Yeah, I've thought of that too. Or to make it less like important, like as if it's as if he's not as important because like I'll give it like so many people I've seen saying, Oh, another junkie gone, good for him, blah blah blah, you know, and that's horrible to say about anybody, but it's not wasn't true about him either. He wasn't a drug addict or anything like that. Oh, exactly. I mean that's one of the reasons why serial killers go after people who live in what they call like the fringes of society like you know sex workers people who might be into drugs or high-risk activities that but it there's that stigma around it too that like even if you're a sex worker even if you were strung out on heroin you were somebody's baby at one point right you don't deserve to die nobody deserves to be murdered to be stolen to be hurt none of that just because you and all of us have made these choices in life. I worked in a jail for a long time and I started at a young age. I was like 18 years old and I came to find out really quick that the difference between the people in jail and me was that they got caught and I did not. And they are exactly the same as me. They're just as good, if not better at times than I am. So right. I hate that like that can also dissuade the police in a very strong way as well. And it's very unfair. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that did um, have an impact on his investigation because as soon as, like, that was being said, it seemed like nothing nothing was being done anymore. Yeah. The searches were done, and, yeah, it was definitely <laughs> affecting by that, I'd say. It's just... And I've worked... You know, working with cops, there are good cops in this world, don't get me wrong, but it's not the percentage that people say. There are a lot of people who will overlook things. There are people who will take the easy route. All these people are working for a paycheck at the end of the day, and there are quite a few psychopaths that seek out becoming police officers or positions of power just because it makes them feel better about themselves. And it hurts people like Jesse in this, this you know, circumstance. Right. So when you got that phone call from Jesse, he said that there were coyotes around him. Yeah. Um, he called me at 8.43 p.m. And the first thing he said was to bring guns. He said, my phone's dying. I'm in a tree and 10 to 11 coyotes are after me. And he said he was on the high school mountain. And then he said, no, no, the elementary school mountain. I said, well, which one? And he said, the high school mountain, definitely the high school. And I said, well, where exactly are you on the mountain? And he started to speak and it, it hung up. And I tried calling back like five times immediately. And mm -hmm. it just went right to the voicemail. I had, or nothing. I had read, and this is another thing that kind of goes along with the, the math is I think that it might be a rumor to make it less focus like lose the the importance of his case is that i read in another article that they thought that the coyotes was in reference to a gang and my thought is i'm not going to run up a tree if a gang is surrounding me just a wild animal right. so why why would that why do people like it just seems very far <laughs> left i have been to hershey and hummelstown in that area you know many times and nothing about that screams a gang of coyotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I take everything as a possibility, but the thing that I think is weird is I think you're right what you're saying, but I also find it hard to believe that it was the animal because it was totally silent in the background. And to think that there was all these 
coyotes around him trying to hunt him down, they would be, like, making noise. And I just thought it was really weird to, you know, when you're on the mountain, mm-hmm. you're moving around, you could hear the leaves, you could hear, and it was just dead silent in the background. So I always thought, you know, that's, you know, that's weird, too, because I would have been able to hear them. And plus, if it was an animal attack, mm-hmm. I feel like there would have been, well, there would have had to have been some kind of evidence left behind. Exactly. Something, you know, clothing, blood, whatever, you know, it's unusual. And, and I, that was going to be my next question is, what did you hear? So possibly, I mean, it could have been a situation of somebody... I don't know. It just, there's so many possibilities out there. And yeah. I, I'm only living an ounce of what you've had to deal with all these years. So how did his mother react when she found out that he was missing as well as his gram? Um, I remember that, well, when he called me for help that, that night, uh, my brother me and my brother went look for him and I was calling everybody I could think of to try and help me. I called his brothers. I called his gram. I didn't call his mom. Um, but everybody in his family just kept saying like, you know, he's probably out doing, you know, partying or something and shouldn't be causing like problems and just go home. He's just acting up. And, and I was like, no, I, I know something's wrong because how scared he was in the call and they just kept blowing it off and uh but once you know he didn't turn up then I know his gram was worried and upset and I seen her the day of like the first search and I was talking to her and I just said about you know calling here and there who should I who do you think I could call who do you think he might be with I said do you think he's with his mom? And she said, she's like, I don't even think she would care. So I never called her, but yeah. I had, I talked to her shortly after that because she, when I got off the mountain that day, she jumped out of a car at me and was saying that I killed Jesse and accusing me in front of a lot of people and the police and everything. So that was when we first encountered each other after he went missing. That's crazy. Even during like all the searches and stuff, it sounds like she was trying to derail quite a few things. Yeah, because the the thing that bothered me about that is at that point, it was only the first day of the search. He was only missing for two days. And the last thing that was on my mind was that uh, he was gone, let alone murdered. Like, I thought, like, maybe he just got hurt somewhere. Maybe he fell. Like, I wasn't even, that didn't never cross my mind. And usually, know, that was like, just a bad situation. even if you had, usually in a, a, a circumstance of like a relationship gone sour and someone kills the other, it's not like this grand plan and you're not inserting yourself into an investigation. You brought the attention to it. To my, in my opinion, you know, it, his family was very nonchalant about it. And you were like, no, 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 something is wrong here. So it feels also okay. odd that she's going to sit there who, you know, she had a pretty strained relationship enough where he's going to go to his grandmother versus her and, you know, her to sit there and accuse you. It sounds like someone trying to point the fingers to keep people from pointing fingers back at them. Or for whatever reason, you know, sometimes people just lash out. Like I told you, in, in my circumstance, my mother's husband passed away of cancer and her his family swore up and down that she murdered him, even though he was in hospice. <laughs> you know, it's, right. people do weird things in those stressful moments. So it could be one thing. It could be another. You never really know. Yeah, and I understand that, you know, when people, when you're going through a situation like that, and I know it's common, especially with missing cases that fingers are thrown or pointed at each other and stuff like that. I, I understand that or somebody's looking for somebody to blame because you're stressed out. Like, I get all that, but. Yeah, because as humans, we want answers. And, right. and especially in a tense situation like that, I can imagine. But I, at the same time, don't know. I can't say I've ever lived through that, but I would like to think I wouldn't be throwing fingers first thing. You just... <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> so, 
what were the search efforts like? I know that they went out there quite a few times. Yeah, um, there was actually a lot of a lot of volunteers that showed up. There was search groups with cadaver dogs. Um, there was a military uh, helicopter. Um, there was a lot of people on four wheelers, stuff like that. They had drones. Um, there was underwater searches done, and there was a air shaft in particular that they searched three times. Did people and go missing like into the, the, that air shaft often, or was it just a very close to where he might have been and they were worried about it? Well, they had to search dogs out. Supposedly the dog sort of, they said that like it, they think the dog alerted at this air shaft, but weren't exactly sure. So it was just like a point of interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't nothing around this, this hole that would stop you from falling into it. it there wasn't even like a warning. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, and honestly, like, the way that it was, where it was in the ground and everything, if you were running, you would have probably not even seen it coming up. It would have just been there, and you would have just, it would be too late. But, um, yeah, they searched that three times, and the last time they actually shipped a a special camera from Canada, and um, because the other two cameras failed, but after after they finished it, they said that they don't have any reason to believe that he's in there because they hit like a ledge mm-hmm. where they found pieces of the other camera. So like if somebody would have fell in there, that's where they would have seen evidence of that. Oh yeah, that makes that's a good point. Um, they found right, his. But- they found this bag after these searches, though, which is odd because you know you had already reported to them. He said he was in a tree, so I would think people would have been looking up the whole time, and then out of the blue, this bag shows up. How did you feel when it was discovered, and what do you think about it? Um, They actually didn't tell me when they found the bag. They didn't tell me when they did the search around it. I ended up finding out on my own. Mm. Um, What the story is is that there was a hunter who was tracking a deer, and he seen a pair of sweatpants on the ground, and he looked up into this tree where this bag was. And he supposedly knows Jesse's grandparents. So he had called them, and I just family went up there to see it, and then they reported it to the police, and then the police went up there. Um, I have a, I've never seen the bag. Uh, his mom won't let me see the bag at all, so I don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I have a a few different reasons and this is just my opinion but I feel like that wasn't his bag mm-hmm. it could have been but I haven't seen it but I, and like I said I just have a few reasons why I believe it's not his bag what are those reasons you think um well the first reason is the family said they identified it by a pin that mm-hmm. was on the bag that Jesse's grandfather gave him Mm-hmm. But my son has that pen, and my son's had that pen for a long time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, the other thing is the area is really rough and, and rugged there. I mm-hmm. mean, the whole mountain is. It's covered in holes, stripping pits, uh, pits filled with water. Um, but this area in particular uh, was bad because it was up... Um, after they found the bag, me and my brother and some, and my sister and some of my friends went to see where this was Mm -hmm. and we had to climb through like a stripping pit and then climb up this like silt bank where it was just like sand underneath your feet. And it took us about an hour just to get to that point. And then where this was, um, it was a, like a small air, like a small area to even be up there on. Like the widest part, I always describe it as like as wide as a well, a one lane car would mm-hmm. drive down a street. And the skinniest that it was is one foot in front of the other. You were able to walk. Oh. And on one side was stripping pits, and then on the other side is a very straight up and down slate wall. Which so, is not something you can just grab a hold of, like. Slate's not no. an easily climbed rock, you know? No, and for us, it took us a while to get up there. So I was thinking, you know, 
if he was being chased by animals or chased by anything at all, they certainly would have caught him because it takes some time to get up there. Right. And um, just and just the fact that as scared as he was to be able to be trying to climb that in the dark without falling is that that's incredible that he would be able to do that. Yeah, and in a in an emergency thing, moment too with animals after right, you. Right, when you're not thinking straight. That would be the opposite of conducive. Um, I, I have you ever heard of like the missing four one one series? There's it's on I think Amazon Prime right now, but it's about people who go missing in state parks actually, and a lot of them are weird circumstances actually, quite a bit like this. Yeah, I've seen that, and I've I've tried even reaching out to them. Yeah, that is, that's just like the whole. Um, I saw one case, and it was uh, this person went missing, and it was impossible how far they could have went in such a short period of time or something where they found the body. And it was, like, going up a sheer cliff to get to that position. It w right. didn't make sense, and that's what this sounds like also as well. I mean... Right, and even even if, like, say he, he did make it up there, and now, you know, it's dark, his phone's dead, so he can't see at all. He's being, you know, something's after him, whatever it is. Even if he did climb that tree and he got down, he certainly wasn't making it down if something was chasing him or if he was running in the dark, he would have fell, for sure, would have fell. Right. So, in that case, he would have been found somewhere nearby that, and he was, there was... He wasn't found. The, the only thing that was found there was his bag and the pants and just directly in that that area of the tree. There was not a shoe found where he might have been running afterwards. There was, I would think that, I mean, if you could see, if I could describe it better for you to actually see this, you would be stunned. It like sounds like it would have been. describe it, but to see it. Yeah. It's another thing. Right. I just, uh. I, I can't imagine, I know his parents are probably in one way holding for hope, but the fact that they've not let you see it, also there has to be, if there were sweatpants and a bag, there has to be something on there that might would have DNA, and seeing that he left most of his stuff, if not almost everything besides the backpack he supposedly was wearing that day, right. you would think that there could be some evidence there. I mean, it was 20... 15, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's not been that long that we've, you know, used DNA to discover the some of the women who were murdered on Calder Road through genealogical DNA. That There's so many advances in it. I wonder if it's something that we even pondered or thought about getting funding for. Right, and if they really thought it was his, like, even if they didn't think decide to DNA test it right away, why not keep it as evidence? I mean, that's the the only thing besides when he called me for help that we have had right. as evidence or where he could possibly be because whether he was there or he wasn't there, either way, that's a good lead to go off of. Either he was there, okay, we focus on that area. Okay, he wasn't there, well, then that sounds like somebody planted this and something else is going on here. Like, both ways, like, it's important to know. And I wish I could just see that bag because then I could answer that for myself, you know what I mean? Like, I would be able to be right. like, okay, he, he wasn't there. Okay, something ha something else happened. I was or he the was there. Now I need to focus right here. Right. And they're not listening to the logic of it, like, with the pin. Like, one, I'm sure that there have been other pins in the world like that pin, but the fact that the one right. that Jesse had is in the possession of your son, and it's like they're not mm -hmm. listening to that. Also, we don't know the state of the bath backpack. It could have been there for a year or more, and it just happened that this hunter came across it, and he thought, oh, this has to be his bag. Like, nobody else in this world can leave a backpack anywhere. There's so many different right. possibilities, and I feel like they're, they've kind of gone in wrong directions. Like, we're going to look, but we're going to do it very loosey-goosey. Yeah, exactly. They did have like a search team that went up with cadaver dogs again in that area. Cause since then they did make, they uh, went through like the other side of the mountain and they made like an easier way to access that now. 
Mm-hmm. So they were able to do that, and they did search with dogs just in that area there, and nothing was, nothing came up. But another important thing I wanted to mention about the bag thing is the night me and my brother were searching for Jesse, we were driving in a truck, and um, we would drive like just a little bit, you know, beep the horn, turn the car off, yell for him, and, and we'd wait a little while for a response. And we did that for hours. Mm-hmm. Now, where the bag was found, um, there's like underneath that slate wall, it's like an open area of just like silt dirt. And a lot of people go riding up there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people go up there. And two times me and my brother were at the bottom of that, like in that, that area of silt where we beat the horn and turned the car off and we're yelling for him. So I feel like if he was up there or in the vicinity, he would have heard that. Right. Because we were really up there. I mean, and there was just nothing. We didn't hear anybody, anything, nothing. Has there been anything since the backpack that's maybe come out, any other information or any other people that might have acted possibly suspicious or other than, you know, what we've already talked about? Um, the social media, I think, is suspicious. Oh, yeah, like how people were accessing his account afterwards and sending fan requests, which is a very odd thing to do if somebody's disappeared. Yeah, there was access on his Facebook literally just a very short few days after he went missing. People were contacting me saying, hey, uh, he's, a lot, he's um, active on Facebook right now. And I was sending him messages that they, you know, in the days before he went missing that he wasn't reading because he was trying to avoid me mm-hmm. at that time. And um, then a couple of days after, I, I would be writing him messages because, like I said, I just thought he was off, blowing off steam or something. And I'm like, right. you know, just please let me know you're okay. Like, just let me know you're okay. I, I'm worried. And these messages were being read. And um, I called the police because... They, we talked about getting the phone records and a warrant and everything for Facebook. And I said, you know, is this you on his account? And they said, no, that they didn't get the, they didn't get the go ahead from Facebook back yet. And I'm like, well, who is accessing his account? And they're like, they didn't know. And as I don't know if they looked into it further, but I wish they would have. Um, have yeah, they gotten that was active for a, lot, a while? Did they get anything back from Facebook that they might have shared with you? They did give, uh, they did get the messages back, but they didn't share that with me. Mm-hmm. But like I said, because it was accessed, I feel like so much could have been changed. Um, the posts that he made in the in the days just before he went missing mm-hmm. were, have since been deleted. Like everything, like anything that you would think was important that he put on there, it's been deleted. Um, pictures he had on there has been deleted. Um, there was liked page liked pages added that he didn't have on there, and one of them was really strange. It was like this cart. I forget what it was called. I have I have it saved, but I don't recall off the top of my head. It was like this this horror thing. And it was like cartoon images of like people cutting people up, and oh, the God. one was an image of like somebody chasing somebody through the woods. And I'm like, this is this is effed up, like. Very much so. Whoever, yeah, like it was almost like, why would somebody, I know it wasn't his because it wasn't on there before. It was added to his Facebook afterwards. And when I started like putting it out there that somebody's on his Facebook, what's going on, it's been changed again. Now that that page is, I just looked again like two days ago and that page has since been deleted and a bunch of other stuff has been deleted. All that's on there is that people posted after he went missing. Everything beforehand is is gone, mostly. Killers will sometimes, and I don't want to say that he's gone. I don't. I always want to keep the hope alive that he is here alive and some that he's somewhere. But that I have seen where you know killers have done that. They have taunted the family afterwards, and it's some kind of weird. Thing that they do, and that does sound a little bit like that in those circumstances. Just, I mean, what are the odds of all the pages? One that's people being chased through the woods, and people yeah, being chopped up. Really, it was disturbing. It was disturbing, and it was like cartoonish. Like I think it, I don't know, like what it was like 
for or what it was about or what I don't know. I just because of what happened with him and the, the people running through the woods in this, I just thought it was really, really weird. And so I have proof of that. I saved that on like, you know, I screenshotted that stuff and everything. So I have proof of all that. And, but it since has been deleted. Mm-hmm. I also think that somebody might have been accessing his Facebook to make it look like he was still alive somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. or out somewhere, something like that. But like I said, since I brought it out and made it known, like, what's going on here, I know somebody's doing this. Mm-hmm. His Facebook hasn't been active. Um, the messages have no longer get read or anything like that. Although things still do change on his Facebook, but it's nothing that's out like as obvious as the other things were. Right. And his mother has, she got access to his Facebook for a while there too, didn't she? But I don't think she would do some of those things. That seems pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, I was told she, uh, she had access to it. I don't know that she did anything like that i'm just saying that. no 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 i don't think she did that i just know that she you know that there was rumor that she would had access which is not abnormal in a situation of you know somebody maybe going missing but it seems like somebody else could have had access like they could have had access via his phone they could have charged the phone that he had you know, and right. got access or changed the password or whatever in that moment and also gained access besides his mother. Right. Which is far I know he made the Facebook like after we broke up because he got a new phone at that time and mm-hmm. that's when he made this Facebook. So it was pretty new. It was it wasn't even two weeks old. And um I know he set it up through his phone mm-hmm. and through like he set the account up through his cell phone number. Mm-hmm. So I know Facebook has changed and you could do different things to get into your account, but I, I'm not sure. But I think at that time, like if you set your Facebook up through your cell phone that you couldn't just like log into a computer and use your cell phone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Are oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's changed leaps and bounds. It used to be really easy to do a lot of those things. Like if, you know, with right. uh, logging in and logging out without all the third identification stuff and, um, not having the ability to do things on your desktop like you would with your phone, things have changed right. quite a bit since then. And I, I would think that, like, have the police have been really responsive to you? No. I mean, like I said, they they did help a lot in the beginning with the searches and everything, but um, they, they're supposed to legally contact me. I had a lawyer call them because they, they weren't updating me on anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, because of my kids, I'm supposed to be legally contacted. Right. But but they don't. And then when I when I do try and talk to them, they act like they're concerned and they, they'll let me know and all that. And then, you know, you wait for a phone call from them and they don't, they don't, they just avoid me. So... I would say they're definitely not helpful. I've been trying to get it handed over to the state police since it's began, and they just won't. They won't hand it over. That's one of my goals: is to get it handed to someone higher up. Yeah, I mean, you're already on that path. You know, you've been contacting people and putting that information out. So the more we get out there, the more likely we can get some more attention and get it elevated. I mean, in a lot of these small towns, they don't have, one, the funding, or two, even the experience. You know, you look at Jean Benet Ramsey's case, uh, that entire investigation was bungled because it was Christmas Day, they had all the rookies, and nothing ever happened in that town like that. So they didn't know how to handle it other than to fumble it and then ignore the issue, which sounds like they're ignoring the issue on this one very much so. Right. And, and as the parent, you know, that's left behind, you do have that right. You should be able to, you should be, be able to be up to date on these things and know what's happening. Yeah. For your children's I, I mean, sake. Think, what's that? For your children's sake, you know. Right. And um, they didn't even contact me about identifying the bag. And I, I would be the best person that would know what his bag looked like. Yeah, because he had just didn't... moved out. He wasn't. It wasn't very long that he had been out of your house. Right. I mean, they took my information when they asked, you know, well, what do you think he was wearing and what do you think was in his 
in his bag and can you describe the bag and they took all that information but when this bag was found then they didn't bother to ask me about it i was told i was going to get a call about it but it, it, that never happened <sighs> that's crazy and it's, and it's frustrating oh and- absolutely i'm sure uh and you could only as a parent and you're you know doing everything you can to take care of your kids and keep this alive you can't stay in a you know a police department banging on their door to make them do their job. That's the mo- probably one of the most frustrating things I'm sure is to feel yeah. kind of like you're frozen in place. You can't do any more than you're you're already at a hundred percent capacity. Right. If you yeah. were able to talk to the person who had something to do with Jesse's disappearance, what would you say? I would say, like, I just want to know where he is. Um, I just want to bring him home. I want closure for my kids. Mm-hmm. That's really important to me because it's already been very hard on them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to have to deal with that or struggle with the, the things that I've struggled in trying to find him when they get older. I just don't want it to right. set the tone of life or how they look at life. I want you know, my kids, you know, this is horrible and they've already been through it, but it could be, they could look at it as, okay, well, this happened, but it was dealt with properly and, you know, it was taken care of the way it should have been. So at least they could look at it as like, you know, the cops did what they're supposed to, I could depend on them or, you know what I mean? Right. Just like have a, a this good is outlook. entirely gonna, you know, shape, it shapes anybody. Uh, you drop a pebble in the pond what happens? The water goes around it. Life changes, you know, and it's not the same as it was before. You can't uncrack an egg, so so to speak. So I can imagine this is very difficult for the kids, and it's very difficult for you, and you want to make sure nobody wants to see their babies hurt, and I know they're probably hurting, and you want what's best for them and their future, and to know that you're trying to keep it, keep them safe is right. super, it's very admirable through all this if you could talk to jesse if jesse was listening right now what would you tell him i would tell him that i love him very very much and i miss him every single day and that i'm doing everything i can and um if he is out there and he's okay um you know i hope that he's okay and that he's safe and if there was any way that he could let us just know that he's okay so that we don't have to suffer or think about that something horrible happened to him because it's hard to live with that every day yeah it's hard not knowing and it's hard to imagine like some of the rumors that i've heard like something that horrible happened to a person and um it would just be life-changing to know that he's okay um it would probably lift a huge burden off your chest to know god yes (laughs) yeah you would be able to do a whole lot more without that emotional restriction on top of you. I really appreciate you reaching out to us and allowing us to interview you and put Jesse's story out. Um, for the listeners, she actually contacted us on Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving morning. My husband actually pointed it out to me and we knew we wanted to do something like we're not in Pennsylvania ourselves, but I mean, if it was me, I'd want somebody to do something. And me and Becky always say, if you see something, say something. So if anyone out there knows anything about Jesse Farber, here is some information on how to report it. That's where you go in, Rachel. Oh, sorry. You're good. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) You could contact me um, at... 570-789-3007 anonymous tips are welcome Uh, or you call the Tamako Police Department at 570-668-5000 even the smallest thing could piece together something that I've been trying to figure out for years so anything that you think could help please feel free to reach out to me Oh, yeah. It's, it's usually those little facts. It's little right. it's little facts like that. Like you can, 
oh, I just happened to see them at the store at this time that could put someone in a certain location. So like Rachel said, any little detail matters. Anything. If you've heard something through the grapevine, let let Rachel and the Tamaqua Police Department suss that out, reach out, or reach out to us, you know, and I'll put our sources on our page as well. Well, thanks, Rachel. And that was Rachel Carroll and I speaking on her boyfriend and father of her children, Jesse Farber Rex's disappearance. Just to reiterate, Jesse went missing August 11th, 2015 in Tamaqua, Pennsylvania, after a frantic phone call for help. He's 29 years old, hazel eyes, and he has short brown hair. He's 5'6 and 130 pounds. For any information that can help us find him, please contact his family at 570-789-3007 or the Tamaqua Police Department at 570-668-5000. Anonymous tips are accepted and every little bit of information matters. He could have crossed paths with you. You could have heard of something. But you know what you like to say? If you see something, say something. And we're going to put his poster back up on our socials. And you are welcome to reach out to us as well, should you know anything that you might would like to have passed on to Rachel or the Tamaqua Police Department. Don't forget to find us on our socials and like those, as well as like and subscribe on all the platforms that you might find us on. So until next time, stay safe, keep your head on a swivel. And don't bring it too close to home. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening.